we're going to look at God's antidote to the fears of the future. A lot of people spend their lives worrying about tomorrow. Why is that? Because we do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea. You have no idea. I have no idea. Yet David, as he concludes Psalm 23, says, he's not worried. Please read with me together out loud. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you detect any anxiety in that verse? Do you sense any fear of the future in that verse? Any worry about tomorrow? No, because David is confident. David says, surely, surely goodness, mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He's confident. Where do you get that kind of confidence? If you're a believer, I believe there's at least three reasons why you do not need to ever fear the future. So number one in your notes, I can face the future confidently, first of all, because God is watching over me. God is watching over me. Look at Psalm 23, verse 6, where David says, Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Circle that word, goodness. David is saying that because God is good, I can expect his protection. I can expect his provision. I can expect, no matter what happens to me, God will bring good out of it somehow. It will always be either for my own good, for the good of other people, for the good of his kingdom. Why? Because God is a good God. Look at Psalm 145, verse 20. The Lord watches over all who love him. God cares about the details of your life. Like a father, God will provide for you in the future. See, we do not know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future in his hands. God does. See, God is in control, and God loves you. God wants to help you. God says, I will be like a father. I will watch over you. Note the word follow. Goodness will follow. That does not mean that only good things will follow you, because that's not true. God is saying goodness will follow. That means good things will always come out of whatever happens, even out of the bad things, even out of evil things. God will ensure that good will follow. That's the promise that God gives to believers. Look at Romans 8, verse 28. We know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God are fitting into his plans. See, that's not a promise for everybody, though. In your notes, that promise is for only believers. Things will work bad for people who are not following God's path. The Bible says that for the believer, all things are working for good together. Not all things, however, are good. Goodness will follow. There simply is no defeat. There's no disaster in the Christian's life that God will not bring good out of it. There are times when we may not see God's goodness. There are times when we do not feel the good that we want to say, hey, where are you, God? It's only later, however, looking back, that we see the good and how God was working together for good. See, Paul was actually put in prison. Was that good? No. But while in prison, Paul wrote some books which now are called the New Testament of our Bible. Did good come out of it? Sure did. 
And we benefit today from Paul's pain and problems. Goodness surely follows. How does God watch over believers? Look at Psalm 91, verse 11. God orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. So God uses angels to watch over you. You ask, are angels real? Absolutely. They are, God, they are God's invisible helpers. The Bible tells us that God has created angels to watch over and to protect believers. You do not talk to angels. You don't see angels. But angels are working on your behalf all the time. There's a lot of interest in angels today. Would you agree with that? There's a big business, in fact. There are stores that are just committed to angels. There are television shows that are about angels. A lot of New Age quackery and myths and legends. There are lies about angels that are simply not biblical. But a couple points that I would like to make. I know, first of all, in your notes, human beings do not become angels. Human beings do not become angels at death. That's something that you might see in a Hollywood motion picture. But you do not find that in the Bible. Human beings do not become angels. Secondly, angels, in your notes, are spirit beings. Angels are spirit beings. They do not normally have physical bodies. They are spirits. They are invisible. And because they are invisible, most of the time, we do not perceive their activities among us. What that means is that angels are protecting you, even when you're not aware of it. Is that ever good news, huh? Thirdly, in your notes, we do not just have one angel watching over us. Many angels watch over us. His angels, that is plural. His angels, God orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. See, in the Bible, angels did specific things to care for God's people and to guide God's people, to uplift God's people. And even though angels are guarding you, that does not mean that bad things will not happen to you. As angels guarded Paul in the Bible and Peter and David, so bad things still happen to them. But this we are certain. God will always be with you through your adversities. God will bring good out of evil. Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Number two in your notes, I can face the future confidently because God is working in me. See, I do not need to fear the future because God is watching over me. And number two, God is working in me. Look at Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely mercy will follow me all the days of my life. See, God's mercy, God's grace are working in me. Not only does goodness follow you, but also mercy is working in you all the days of your life. Look at Isaiah 60, verse 10. I will have mercy on you through my grace. And what is grace? There's an anachronism of uh, what, to help remember what, and understand what grace means. In your notes, G-R-A-C-E stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is all that God can do for us. His grace is mercy and give to us because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Isn't that good? Therefore, grace and mercy will follow you rather than God's justice following you. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give you what you deserve? God does not even get, get even with Christians for the things that have already been paid for in full at the cross because that's God's mercy. The Bible says that God is gracious. We have no need to fear the future when we know that God is merciful to us. Look at Hebrews 4, verse 9, 16 on the back of your notes. 
we can come before God's throne where we can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. God's goodness and God's mercy will follow us through life. And you will experience six days, depressing days, lonely days, difficult days. But as a Christian, God's goodness, God's mercy will be with you as you go into the future. So in your notes, the good, God's goodness will provide. God's goodness will provide and God's mercy will pardon. Secondly, as God's goodness and mercy is with you in your notes, God's goodness will supply and God's mercy will soothe. God's goodness will supply and God's mercy will soothe. And then thirdly in your notes, God's goodness will help and God's mercy will heal. God's goodness will help you. God's mercy will heal you. Goodness is that God gives to us good things in life that we do not deserve. God's mercy is that God holds back his condemnation and wrath that we do deserve. And we need both in life. We need God's goodness. We need God's mercy. With both goodness and mercy in our lives, we have nothing to fear. Number three in your notes. I can face the future confidently. Thirdly, because heaven is waiting for me. I do not need to fear the future because, number one, God is watching over me. Number two, God is working in me. Number three, heaven is waiting for me. Look at Psalm 23, verse 6 again. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Circle the word and there in that verse. That little word connects. It connects yesterday and today and tomorrow. And God says that I have this great plan for your life. Surely grace and mercy shall follow you all the way through it. But that's not all. I have something else at the end. David ends his Psalm 23 by saying, we're going to go to heaven. We will dwell in the house of the Lord. With God, it keeps getting better and better and better. I do not need to fear the future because I'm going to go to heaven. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. We know that our body will be destroyed. Some of your bodies look like they've already been destroyed. Just checking to see if you're listening. Paul continues, but when that happens, God will have a house for you. It will not be a house made of human hands. Instead, it will be a home in heaven. It will last forever. How long is forever? It's forever. Someday your body is going to die. Your body is going to end. You're going to live in one place of one of two places then, heaven or hell. They are both real. Christians know that they will receive a new resurrected body when Jesus returns. Because Jesus suffered and he died on the cross and arose again to defeat the powers of sin, death, and the devil, Christians know. Christians know that they will live in heaven. Death for the Christian is therefore a transfer. It's a promotion. You are not really ready to live until you're ready to die. See, Jesus tells us that one day, Christians, in your notes, number one, Christians will be reunited. Christians will be reunited with loved ones who, have gone, who know the Lord. Number two, in your notes, Christians will be released. Christians will be released from the pain, the sorrow, the suffering, depressions, and the fears of this world. Look at Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, or crying, or pain. All that has gone forever. No death, 
no sorrow, no crying. Doesn't that make you a little bit homesick for heaven? In your notes, every Christian ought to be homesick for heaven. Christians know that they are living in this world only for a short time. This is only called the preschool, or it's called the appetizer. It's only the opening act. We will spend millions and millions of years in heaven. So get homesick for heaven. Get rid of your homesickness for this materialistic world of ours. You're not going to keep it. It's only temporary. Get prepared for heaven. Trust in Jesus. Grow in your faith. Invest in his kingdom. Share Christ with unbelievers. Love and serve others in the name of Jesus. But don't make your home here. In conclusion, how do we know that if we're going to go to heaven or not? Look at John 20, verse 27 and 28. Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Circle those verbs. Listen and follow. Jesus says that his sheep do listen to him, and his sheep follow him. Are you listening to Jesus? Are you following? Is Jesus your shepherd? Is Jesus your Savior and your Lord? By listening to Jesus, by following Jesus in faith, you are given the grace of God, the gift of, by the grace of God, the gift of eternal life in heaven. By trusting in Jesus alone, you can be sure that you're going to go to heaven. No one can snatch you out of Jesus' hand. You do the trusting, Jesus will do the keeping. So how do we face the future? Either you can face the future with doubts and fears, expecting the worst, or you can face the future expecting God to be with you, and his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. When you know Jesus as your good shepherd, you can join with David. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely I do not need to fear the future. In your notes, number one, because God is watching over me. Number two, because God is working in me. And number three, because heaven, heaven is waiting for me. Amen.